0: 0818 715 815 Hello, good afternoon and you're very welcome to Live Live. one
1: is our text number as always and joe at rte.ie uh, Obviously we're going to continue talking about uh, prostate cancer. Uh, given the reaction uh, after the first call from Brendan with Column on on Friday, obviously uh, prostate cancer is primarily affects uh, men over fifty. Obviously, it's men the people with a prostate, but also there would be other issues arising, which sometimes are of an adult nature. Just to, now I'm not saying you shouldn't let your do please let your teenagers listen if they're with you or whatever. But maybe for younger, younger years, you might be asked some questions that you, that you might not be able to answer at this stage. But that is a, I just want to, to put that in. Jer, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Joe. How are you doing?
1: Good. And you describe yourself as a five-year prostate cancer survivor. That's correct. Uh, what was it like? Tell us how, how you were diagnosed and then what the experience of treatment was like.
2: Well, the treatment I got differed slightly from yeah. the other guys who were on Friday that I heard, Joe. Um, I had what was called ADT therapy, which is antigen deprivation therapy. Or to the humans in this world, like yourself and myself, maybe hormone therapy would be a better one okay. on that. And uh, I had 39 treatments of uh, radiation after that.
1: Wow. Over, over what period were the 39 rounds? It would be
2: da- daily, five days a week okay. until I was finished.
1: Now they say the health authorities say it, the, the, the there are now less treatments, less rounds, so to speak, but they are of higher amounts. How did your 39 sessions go?
2: The sessions went very well. Brilliant team in the hospital I was in. Um, I luckily I'm a morning person, so uh, I was in the hospital for seven o'clock in the morning for an eight o'clock um, okay. t- treatment and. Um, Your prep work is between 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning. You know how the machine is going and that, and uh, you get into the system. Uh, Treatment itself, brilliant at the end of it. I was able to stop my hormone therapy, Mm -hmm. and uh, my radiation therapy, they all stopped for me on the day I finished my last treatment. So that was the good news, and my um, PSA count was down to negligible. Uh, The lowest it could be, which is great.
1: And side effects? Yeah, like everything, Joe, it doesn't matter if you're taking mm-hmm.
2: any kind of side effects yeah. and everything, and hopefully you don't get them. Yes, for me, I got a, a number of different side effects that others didn't get, uh, thankfully. And likewise, other people got side effects that I didn't get, thankfully. But um, one of the things for me, Joe, was um, because of the antigen deprivation therapy, you mm-hmm. uh, enter a thing called manopause is what I put a name on it, because okay. uh, it's the same as a woman, only a man gets it. Um the usual hot flushes, sweats, mm-hmm. a bit of aggression, things that I wasn't used to. And, uh, you know, things outside of your control. But the other side was the positive side was it was there purposely to shrink my uh, cancer so that I could mm-hmm. uh, have a good target on the radiation. But as I said, when you finished, uh, my testosterone didn't move. It stayed down low. And uh, luckily, I'm now just started six months ago on HRT and I've got fantastic results out of it. But again, that doesn't suit everybody. I had to go through a process with uh, an endocrinologist um, and uh, he ticked me. I was worth having a go at and mm. yes, it's worked very well for me, thankfully.
1: And then your treatment was, what, six years ago? Um, uh, yeah, it started six years ago, Joe. Okay. I had a heart event, unfortunately, about a uh,
2: fortnight before I was supposed to have my um, okay. biopsy and um uh, in fairness, the uh, urology department I advised them so that the slot could go to somebody else to have the treat to have the biopsy and uh, they picked me up from there, and I was diagnosed off an mri and uh, i didn't had
1: and uh, was the diagnosis biopsy. was it was it um were you worried about you had, had you got symptoms of prostate were you worried or it was as we discovered on on um Friday, I think it was Brandon saying he was worried about skin tags and said while he was there the doctor said we do your bloods and that's how he discovered. Um, did, Were you discovered through a routine?
2: Yeah, no, Joe, you know, just for everyone's benefit, I have a brilliant GP and he okay. had been, I, I look, I was involved in agriculture and I used to have blood tests every year wow. for okay. brucellosis and a thing called um, leptospirosis and he added PSA into it when I hit 40. And he was monitoring my PSA and I was having DREs, uh, which is digital rectal exams, and they were all coming up perfect. Mm -hmm. And uh, right, now in the normal course of events, your PSA rises. And uh, in my mid-50s, it started to rise too much and he Mm -hmm. referred me off to a urologist.
1: So yes, I That's knew okay. what the story was. And um, Ger, what was the experience like? What, is, is it a, was it a lonely journey? Those thirty-nine sessions. And, like you say, you're you're, you're you're. Are you still farming? I hope you are. No, I retired. <laughs> okay, okay. But you were you were farming up to the up to your retirement. Yeah. And farming can be can be a lonely
2: um, can, yeah, uh, occupation, uh, can not so. it? Yeah, it can be um, because you are working on your own and yeah. um, also have an outside job. i self-employed and outside job as well. But, uh, no, yes, um, you're lonely. Inside in a radi- radiation suite on your own because the team come in, set you up and and line you up for the treatment and then they all leave, right? They can talk to you on uh, they can monitor you on a CCTV and talk to you through the speakers and that. Mm-hmm. But there's nobody else in, in the room other than yourself. And where you get comfort is that uh, you meet other people who are yeah. queuing up, waiting to get into the units to, to get their treatments. And coincidentally, at that hour of the morning, it tended to be men who were in for prostate cancer. Okay.
1: And would, would, would your community, your colleagues, your friends, your extended family, they would, they would, would they know what you've gone through and to, would they ask you about it? Because there is a bit of a taboo, isn't there? As was discovered on Friday, about <laughs> prostate cancer. There is. There's a taboo in, in a number
2: of ways. But yeah. The first thing is, Joe, is the the patient themselves. Uh, for me, anyway, I had to find out about this prostate cancer. Yeah. And for me, I hopped down to a daffodil centre when I was diagnosed and I didn't want to talk to them. I just Irish wanted cancer information. Society, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted information. I got yeah. an A4 envelope full of information went off home and read it. and when my diagnosis was confirmed after the biopsy, uh, back down again to the um, Daffodil Centre and I said right, I want to talk to somebody who's had this and uh, is Mm
3: -hmm.
2: going to go through the options of procedures that I have uh, been put forward to me, treatment procedures. So that was arranged on a peer-to-peer support and uh, a man rang me and I had a discussion and was very pleased with the the information I received on how this person got on uh, after the treatment, and they were actually a 10-year survivor. So, uh, yeah, I was quite happy with that, and so happy was I, Joe, that I've actually become a peer-to-peer supporter of oh, the Irish Cancer Society. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So, you know, giving back to others who are well, coming up, and things are changing every day. And then when uh, you, you explained,
1: know, ex- explain Jared, the HRT issue, you say it's made such HR. a difference to you.
2: It has, because... Testosterone is uh, what the antigen deprivation therapy was, for want of a better word, killing, because prostate cancer is driven by testosterone. So cutting the testosterone was shrinking the tumours. And uh, that's understandable from my perspective. But when you were finished, my testosterone didn't pick up. So it was affecting all sorts of other things, including my heart, my heart. my I, I came into a diabetic situation, which I'd never had mm-hmm. any reason to be in before, um, and all, all sorts of blood issues. So um, I had been asking my oncologist, which I understood I couldn't, you know, two or three years afterwards, and they said, "Look, hang on, dear, hang on, see how you're getting on." So um, my own GP, um, I asked him there last year, and uh, he referred me to uh, an endocrinologist. And the endocrinologist had a massive big file on me and uh, Mm -hmm. sent by my GP. And then uh, he brought me in and put me through a process, about an hour and a half. And then he said, OK. And to explain to you what the process included, Joe, and I'd be very careful because your audience, but I'm sure as a young lad in school, you had um, a a test for... um, you were brought in and examined by a doctor yeah. before you finished primary school. It would be something like that, okay. plus more. And um, anyway, he said, "Yes, you're not too far gone, so you're worth the try. You're a suit a suitable candidate for the treatment." I understand that I had been given the new science by the endocrinologist on ADT therapy and patients, and where mm-hmm. where the new science was. So this has changed in five years, as far as I can see. So, yes, I'm a candidate.
1: And the HRT made a a massive difference.
2: Oh, Joe, I had one particular blood which dropped by 28%, which was massive. It brought me out of trouble, you know, in in six months. So for me, it's worked brilliantly. And it has, for want of a better word, rekindled my manhood, put it that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, right, I mean, okay. a couple of the lads have said it there. And it's quite a common thing, um, ED and associated matters. Um, and that for me, because I'm involved in a couple of um, support groups. Uh, with both, uh, I went to a place here in Cork called Ark House in Cork. But um, during COVID, I was hooked in with Ark House in Dublin because they were doing um, Zoom okay. uh Training and uh, I did I was involved in research for rehab after cancer and things like that, so I'm still involved in a couple of groups uh, through our house in Dublin and uh, also involved in research on prostate okay. cancer stay
1: yeah, prostate can- yeah, say no, with us chair five one travel eight is the uh, voice message uh, line uh, Ronan good afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon, uh, Ronan. You've you, you a lovely phrase here. Relax. It'll be fine. I'm cancer-free. Um, it, um, it was worrying, obviously, and when when men hear the word prostate, as we heard on Friday, and they get the diagnosis, they um, get very, 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 very worried. When when did, when did your journey begin?
4: Uh, I suppose it began about a year ago, um, just through uh, standard um, GP. Uh, medical examination uh, and uh, they, they, it turned out that I had a, a, a raised um, PSA level in my blood mm-hmm. and uh, from there they just sent me on through for uh, an MRI which showed that there was a spot on the prostate or in the prostate mm-hmm. um, that was further confirmed as cancerous through a uh, through biopsy and in May 2023 I had um, the prostate and seminal vesicles all removed. By surgery,
1: and um, so that was a radical, radical surgery. They called that, wasn't they
4: Surgery, yeah, radical, they called it. it yeah. I, I was um, um, basically a robotic surgery. It, oh, okay. it was uh, uh, carried out through the use of a of a, of a, of a, of a four five armed robot, which the okay. surgeon operated. Um, so it was as less invasive as, as anything else.
1: And Jer, yeah. Jer, alluded there to men sometimes have uh, well, a lot of times won't we'll talk about uh, when they hear prostate they think of ed as jericho and erectile dysfunction
4: mm-hmm.
1: um th- 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 that, did that conversation arise for you
4: yeah it came with the surgeons basically they were saying mm-hmm. that um by going through the surgery there would there would be erectile dysfunction problems afterwards but that they would be resolved um just through you know fitness health and medication you know, so that's all moving in the right direction
1: okay okay stay with us Jerry Kelly but, Jerry sorry Ronald go ahead
4: no I mean I, I I had commented because I think it was last week there was yeah. I, I just caught the end of the conversation where one of the uh, one of the people had basically said that they'd went for you know prostate surgery and they lost three inches off their penis and it's okay. like wow that that doesn't didn't happen to me um For a month or two, it was because you've removed the prostate and the seminal vesicles, which are all behind the the penis. Obviously, whenever they're removed, effectively, there's a cavity and the penis certainly did shrink back into the body. It, It was a bit like what you would feel like after going for a swim on a cold day. Um, but you know, within within a couple of months, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, penis wise there was I was re-established in the right shape and place okay. and size. You know, okay, so that's... it's not it's not taken it, the surgery isn't taking inches off your
1: penis. So that's reassuring. Great, great, great to hear. Yeah. Um, Jerry so, uh, Jerry Kelly, Jerry. Good afternoon.
5: How are you, Joe? How's it going? You
1: see, Jerry, when we were doing the self published books on Christmas week, now there was hundreds of them. And uh, afterwards, we, we, as we say, we don't return them uh, to us because we just physically can't. But we give them to a charity and there's lots of books we didn't get through. But I kept one book on my desk and I just realized about 20 minutes ago, it was your book. I don't know why. Well, I do know why I kept it on my desk because I'm a man over 50. And your book is called Prostate Piddling Passion, a Pocket Book." A cancer, yeah. Continence, erectile dysfunction. Why? And it's a, it's a final. Why did you write? Why did you tell us the, the story about writing this book? And it's called. I'd say it again. And it's meant to be eye catching, isn't it, Jerry? Yes. Prostate yeah. pilling and passion. Why did you write it? And apologies for not getting to it. It was in my box here, but gotcha. I just didn't get to it on the the, the week that was so busy. Um, but I'm glad. I, I'm glad I kept it. Um, yeah. what, what, why I did you write the book? I it
6: as a paperweight. I hope you're going <laughs> no, to read it. <laughs> no, I have it here in my
1: hand. I am going to bring <laughs> yeah. it home with me today. Yeah.
6: Well, well i tell you how it came about. Friends were asking me how did it go and all that. And you know by some friends, they want to know a bit more and other people don't want to know much about it except yeah. I see you're walking around, so it must be okay. And uh, when I was telling the bits about it, I said, you know what? I might actually write this down uh, it would save me repeating it, uh, repeating the story. So I did. And uh, one thing always stuck in my head was the consultant's mantra now our priority is cancer, continence and potence and I said, have we any ordinary words for that and I was thinking I'll remember it if I think of cancer, prostate, piddling and passion because I think we talk like that in everyday life okay. you know okay. and uh, it's, it's you know the, the, the actual words in the body you have the urethra, and you have the, that's the piddle pipe in my book and uh-huh. the continence. Cancer, when cancer is gone, people say, okay, I have cancer, and then we did continence. Well, if you get rid of the cancer, sure, I'll be grand. We won't worry about the continents or the potents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then if the cancer is gone, by God, you do worry about the continence, you know? Yeah, and then you do worry about the potence in that order. And um, I, I'm delighted that you're doing this programme because some of the stuff you covered Friday is, is really enlightening for cancer survivors mm-hmm. and sufferers. Even simple issues like the issue around continents. When this comes on you and you hear about continence, you don't know, is he talking about one or two or both, you know? Yeah, and yeah. you're nearly afraid to look it up in case it's the worst scenario. But urinary continence is, is what we are talking okay. about. And I don't think men are that well looked after when it comes to, say, the provision of simple pads.
3: Yeah, yeah. You
6: can't watch any sports program, but you see some woman scaling a mountain or riding a bike or doing the parallel bars, and these pads are so reliable, you know, you'd you'd be just delighted with them. So they are there for men, but, you know, I don't think we talk about them. Some of the big, as as we heard
1: on Friday, some of the big supermarkets are now stocking them.
6: And and, and about time. Yeah, yeah. And and also... If you if you go to a hotel, let's say, and you have your pad and you're at a wedding or something, you want to have two or three or four pints, and then your pad is sudden and whatever you want to change it. In practical terms, is there a bin there for men? Is there a bin there for men? Uh, I don't think so. You Good know, point. and Good um, point. you know. Very rarely, anyway, and and that causes stress. You should be able to go to a wedding and enjoy mm-hmm. it like anybody else, you know, and 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 not have the fear or go to a show and be able to sit there and watch a two-hour show or whatever it is, and and have comfort and dignity, you know, because um, you you hate getting up, excusing yourself with a, with a jumper tied around your waist
3: for, for a cover. You
6: yeah, know? yeah,
1: yeah. Now your but, your journey began, as you say, in in the, uh, in the dedication to the book. Uh, because of the persistence of your wife, Maura.
7: Absolutely.
6: Uh, I give her great credit in that she did. She nagged me to go to the doctor once the COVID co- uh, restrictions were lifted. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know... Women have a load of skin in the game here, Joe, in in many senses of the word. And any woman listening should be looking at their older man, brother, husband, partner, whoever, and either nag him, drag him or drive him to a doctor. Because the key thing is early diagnosis you know I'm chatting to you there are stories out there where someone didn't go at all and they wouldn't but I did go raised PSA uh, phone call raised PSA what's that well we'll do another blood test and it was raised a second time and then off to the urologist that was the start of the journey but he was very thorough in that he wasn't getting any reaction to the DRE test, which Mm -hmm. is the finger, and uh, neither did the GP. But he said, we won't depend on that, we'll do an MRI. And then I won't depend on that, we'll do biopsies to be sure, to be sure, to be sure. And lo and behold, we had the shadow in the MRI, I had a choice of biopsies, uh, either in one hospital where they did it through the bowel, out through the bowel wall. Okay. One in 50 risk of infection. I said, I don't like that. That's only two classrooms and one student. So I said, what are the risks with the other procedure in Dublin? Uh, he said, none. And I said, why is that the case? Well, in Dublin, they get, it's, they go in through what's called the perineum. It's
8: the piece yeah, of
3: yeah.
6: skin between your, you know what it is, anus and between the scrotum Yeah. And yeah the and it's a direct hit on that, and it makes sense. You're okay. going directly in, and also uh, I did ask the person doing it. I said, um, "What about the MRI now? Will you pay attention to?" Oh, she said, i would be using that as my sat nav if you like, so that she could target her hits directly onto the shadowy area." You know,
1: and, and you um, and and I have to I have to hand it to you. you your 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 manual is very very um you, you really you really have demystified the language you really well, as you as, you are, yeah. Yeah, as you are yeah as well, you are this afternoon
6: that was my attempt now, some people might think I'm a bit trite and you can't be that funny about something so serious okay, but i was i was I was reinforced reading a quote from Chesterton the other day where it said, "Hope is the power of being cheerful in circumstances we know to be desperate and um I, I take good cheer from that that I haven 't done any damage uh, but I, and I have told my story in a, in an honest way I mean these are the things mm-hmm. that happened. While the biopsies were going on below, there was a lady up at my head distracting me, talking about golf, and I was very impressed that she thought my muscles gave that impression. But um, she just said with the tan in my legs afterwards. Uh, okay. But when the conversation was over, all the plucking of the biopsies was over, and I didn't find that uh, a terrible experience. And then I had to look forward to um, the prostatectomy, the radical. And I okay. never Googled anything while I was going through the journey. I never did, and I suppose. I didn't want to know some things and I knew my wife was at my arm who would be very good, uh, qualified Mm -hmm. nurse in in three areas. And uh, she wasn't saying much. I think she was trying to give the impression I was making decisions when in actual fact she was uh, doing her own um, puppeting, if you know what I mean. In which case um, I ended up, as opposed to every person has their own story in this and their own story is the real story. And my real story was that mm-hmm. um, I went for the radical prostatectomy, meaning cutting it out, because the, where I had the cancer it was too near the pedal pipe. If I went for radiation there, damage could be done. Okay. This wouldn't be easily repaired or even possible to
1: repair. Okay. So uh, ballet, and, ballet in the belly.
6: Well, ballet in the belly. Oh yeah, I did. Okay, I didn't. I'm not telling a lie. I did then a few nights before. A few nights before, I did look up a video about a radical robotic prostatectomy, and obviously, it was somebody else somewhere in the world. And I watched, now I I clinched my ties together, fairly tight. I didn't want to frighten anyone. (laughs) And uh, I I had a good look at it. And lo and behold, I was watching him every step of the way because uh, being a former teacher, I'd be apt to correct him if he made a mistake. And lo and behold, he had done everything, but he hadn't taken out. The prostate was lying around inside in the tummy. And I said, ho, ho. And then here he comes with another claw, goes in with a ziplock bag, pops it into it, zips the bag, takes it out, and I said, fair play to you, well done, Uh, 10 out of 10 for that. And uh, the next thing, uh, I was happy enough with that because it looked like ballet in the belly. It was, I I just, there was nothing about it frightened me. And the precision there, I said, if I had that tool at home, I'd be able to thread a needle, no bother, because you can (laughs) zoom You know what I mean? <laughs> and and of course, sweating a needle is very like the last word in the book as well, yeah.
1: And and what? so what was the actual process like?
6: The, proce- the, the process, uh, you're lying on a tilting bed okay. so that you're you're kind of upside down almost so that your other organs get out of the way um, and giving the, the consultant a chance to work then with, you know, to push their liver up out of that and the stomach and mm-hmm. the bowel and... Get out of my way and uh, eat four or five hours. They told me I might have a, a fat face when I wake up after it, you know, or a swelled head, but uh, not really. I, I didn't. I had grown a beard at the time to disguise the fact I had prostate cancer, and uh, people were more uh, in, engaged mm-hmm. with the beards than the work down below. And actually, that's something else, Joe, I, I recommend. When you get this, you should look up as well as down. Because when the doctor said to me, you're going on some journey here and out. You know, mm-hmm. i would probably taken it very lightly. And she said, this is going to be some journey. Oh, then I sh- sat up a bit and yeah, took interest. Yeah. And I said, look, if I am, I said, is there anything you can give me to um, kind of help along the way? Yes, there is. So there and then she wrote me a script for... Um, Antidepressants, which I took, and I—I I think that's—I'd recommend that to anybody to ask anyway, the doctor besides. Mm. But you know, if you have a broken wrist, you'll get a plaster on it. If you have a broken leg, you'll have a crutch. And I think if you get kind of um, a shock like this, you should have help as well, and it's there. But you maybe have to ask for it or agree to take it, and, and just to give you a little bit of a, a lift as you go through a tough old time you know
1: yeah okay stay with us jerry uh, i'm going to take your point about Maura and mara's persistence but also hopefully these conversations over the last few days will uh, encourage men to talk about it and that they are talking about it encourage yeah. men to encourage other men to actually exactly. go and go and get the annual uh, bloods uh, or the various tests one of them is very straightforward that your your medic can do stay with us joe at
0: rt.ie Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. I must state that this is not a medical journal,
1: and the account within this booklet is merely a description of my personal uh, journey, Uh, and that's from Jerry Kelly. Jerry, where can people get your self published book? Uh,
6: JerryKellyCork.com or okay. printmybook.com or there's a string of shops along East Cork here that well would done. have it as well as the famous shop what's that Charlie Burns Shop and Goal yeah it?
1: absolutely yeah. Course,
6: uh, I, I, do you know what Joe? I have to tell you this though the majority of buyers they like to buy online because I think okay. holding up a book in a shop about process is equivalent to buying a condom years ago. They're yeah, embarrassed to they put it down and to get two tubes of toothpaste in case anybody That's... thinks to have it. Do you know well, what I hopefully, mean?
1: Hopefully that will change. Uh, printmybook.com, jerrykellycork.com, and you yeah. can buy it online. Highly, highly recommended. And as I say, a bizarre coincidence—it was the only book I yeah. left on my desk on the Friday before Christmas Eve when we left here. Jerry Kelly. Uh, well done, and thank you so much for for sharing that story, John Farrelly. Uh, Jerry is in Cork. John is in Dublin. John, um, I know it's your birthday next week. You tell us you're sixty-eight. Congratulations! Um, thank you. Joe. When was your original diagnosis, John?
9: Uh, back in two thousand and fourteen, uh, I have been uh, dealing with. Uh, tests every six months for bloods for another thing and then the PSA went up a little bit and then it was recommended that I go and see an oncologist and then uh, when he looked at me he says we do a biopsy and uh, so biopsy was done and then he said yes you have uh, cancer in three three parts. There was 12 uh, bits taken away and then three of them had the cancer and uh, so then uh, we uh, we had a conversation with him. And I have to say one thing here, and this is important. It was told to me by other guys um, that when you go in with a consultation and uh, you bring your wife with you and all of that, they will ask you in relation to, uh, you know, your your, your sort of activity and your sex life yeah, and all yeah. that kind of thing. And a lot of guys, I think, around our age have a tendency to say, oh, so we would be dealing with that type of thing at our age. It's very important that you tell the facts as they are up to young colleges at that point in time because okay. I ended up having... Uh, robotic surgery and robotic surgery means that what they would do then to try and save as many nerves in that okay. area so that that would recover at some stage. But if you tell them uh, nothing to see here, there's no activity here, they would just uh, cut them all and just leave it at that. Um, but I had the operation and that was fine, everything went well after that. And then four years later, it came back again, the PSA started going up. And put it, the first thing you think about when you have the prostate out, the second thing you think about well, how can I prostate cancer again uh, when the prostate's gone? But some of uh, the prostate, the cancer, was in the bed where the actual prostate was before. And this is how I had to go for radiotherapy. And that was 33 sessions of radiotherapy. Again, as somebody else says uh, every day, five days a week, and your preparation is, is 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 a pain, to be honest with you, because mm. you have to you have to uh, empty your bowel, uh, and then you have to fill your bladder, it, and you must be in the exact position physically every day you go in, because in the beginning they map you out
3: mm. as to
9: where they're going to target the radiation, and so they have to replicate that every day, and that's a bit of a a, a pain. And uh, what okay. happened was that if you go in and to, to get the zap, as we called it, in relation to the, the radiation, um, as we used to say in, in the waiting room, you can get a yellow card because if you're, if you're not 100%, percent they put you off the table. And then you have to go and prepare again. And uh, so okay. that, that was the way it was done.
1: So the preparation is quite rigorous.
9: It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it is, and you have to look after your diet a week and things like that, okay. you know. Say, say you, you,
3: you, get, you get used
9: to it. You get used to
1: it. Say yeah. stay with us, John. I'll come back to you in a second. We, we'll hopefully improve that line as well because you, you, your your prostate cancer came back twice. We'll talk about that in a sec. Paddy Monaghan. Paddy, good afternoon. Good afternoon,
10: Joe. How are you?
1: Good. What was your journey, Paddy?
10: Uh, I I had uh, prostate cancer about ten years ago, okay. and uh, I had radiotherapy. For it. And forward, uh, and it was—it has been very successful, and you know, I'm still in remission, and that's
1: ten or twelve years ago now. So there we are. And how was it diagnosed initially, Paddy?
10: Well, I, when I retired, I was—I was—I would have been about sixty-five when I was diagnosed. Okay.
1: Recently.
10: And uh, it's—I it, uh, had kind of promised myself after I retired that I would have annual checkups, well done, and kind of stuff. well
8: done, because. Uh,
10: at that stage, you know, 10, 12 years ago, technology has improved so much since yeah. then, you know, and, and there wasn't that much emphasis on it uh, as there is now and knowledge and that kind of stuff. So uh, I had, I was having the PSA tests on a regular basis, you know, yearly and everything was fine. And uh, then my GP said he would do, uh, you know, a rectal examination. Yeah, digital, almost. yeah. yeah digital examination along with the PSA just to, to, to be sure and, and the digital
1: uh, examination takes a matter of seconds and it's not as well it, it's uh, not it, as it, invasive I, as people think it is
10: the name I put on the story I wrote about it was it only takes 10 seconds yeah and yeah. Uh, it's something that a lot of men might be embarrassed about but uh, I, I had it done anyway and uh, he was suspicious of on one side of the prostate there was uh, what he thought a bit of hardness he thought it was okay. and uh, that it should have been investigated so I made an appointment with a urologist and he confirmed his suspicion and then I had a biopsy and uh, it's uh, confirmed that I had um, a couple of small tumors on one side put me on to an oncologist and had uh, I think about 40 sessions of radiotherapy and you know it worked out fine.
1: Um, P- Paddy and um, what was the treatment then?
10: Well, that was it. I had radio, radio uh, you radio, know, okay. external be, external beam radiotherapy, and okay. I had about I had about forty sessions okay. in and out of you know, for 40, uh, five days a week for about eight eight weeks.
1: As 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 we heard from uh, who was the chair earlier on, um, and how are you now? Oh, I'm perfect,
10: uh, you know, well, I'm... Uh, I know, don't ever yeah, say I'm that. Of None of us. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I you said wise, uh, I'm fi- I, 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 I'd be fine, but, you know, there's always something waiting around the corner for us. You know. Yeah, yeah.
1: But in that sense, but, uh, in that but, sense uh, Paddy, Paddy Monaghan is perfect.
10: Yeah, well... In, in terms uh, of
1: the original uh, issue. Others
10: might disagree with that, but... Uh, no, it's, it's uh, you know, you have... You obviously, there are side effects and stuff like that that... That come with it, but you know you have to kind of balance things out. Uh, uh, that uh, you know being alive and well it's, yeah, yeah.
1: It's the okay. main thing, you know. So there, there we are. Okay, Uh thanks indeed, Paddy. I know you're collecting the grandkids from school. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, yeah.
10: Just out, just 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 waiting at the minute. So uh well, tell them, tell
1: them, tell them, tell them. You on national radio, you've just been described as the perfect granddad, Paddy Monan. Really, Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the compliment, God. Joe. We, we all have deadlines of one description or another. <laughs> we sure have. Uh, good go to meet a Margaret uh, That's Paddy Monahan, Joe Conlon. Joe, are you not on? And is there a, no no matinee on a Monday? Um uh, Joe Con, people know Joe because, because of his wonderful performance for the last twenty years in um, the Gaiety Panto. And as you say yourself, Joe, you there? Yes, yeah. I am indeed. It's not just an ordinary panto, it's the... The gaiety panto. And, uh, <laughs> so what are you doing in this conversation? Tell us. So uh, I um, I was an advocate for
7: um, men's health and prostate cancer when okay. I was diagnosed with it four years ago. Wow. And um, uh, I've always been very vocal about men's health, Joe, and going to their GP and getting their MOT because men in this country aren't great at it. And I've I found over the years the relationship that I have formed with my GP, mm-hmm. Dr. Tim Delaney, in the Medical Meat Centre. He's a wonderful man. But I think, I think that's the crux of it for men, to form that relationship and trust with your GP that when you're going there's no fear and for your MOT. And I think that's the fear that men have in our country, is if they find something, what's going to happen? Unfortunately, he found something with me. Uh, I had to go to a urologist, and then the next next thing was I'm diagnosed with cancer. And it was a, a journey that was quite challenging in itself, but I think it could have been much more worse if I was not going to my GP for my regular checkups. And I think that's what men in our country need to do, and need to look at more. It needs to be more out there.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you were yeah. diagnosed with prostate cancer, Joe.
7: I was, mm-hmm. Joe. I, I, yeah, and uh, relatively I, I recently. Uh, yes, absolutely and touch water, I'm doing great and um, I was well supported by the medical teams in, in Vincent's private, Ray McDermott Gerald McVeigh, they were great people and the urology team uh, and I, 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 wasn't, I was on um, a chemo tablets and radium treatment, I had radium treatment for 8 weeks, for 5 days a week, and was part of the process of it and, and I think the acceptance of it um, you need to accept this and you need to go, with, go on that journey and Hopefully the outcome will be a bit more fulfilling and a bit more rewarding. And it was, and it was challenging, and mm-hmm. the, the regular procedures and, and interventions that you take on. But uh, the outcome was, it's great now. I, I, I just do my regular um, blood tests and uh, uh, every six to six to eight months. But I Thank think it. the crux of this call for me personally is that men, because I, I, I sometimes do Instagram. Uh, Pages And just shout outs to men there go to your GP and get your MOT. They talk like 2024, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But they don't talk about going to their GP and getting their blood tests and getting the heart checked and all that because of the fear that men have. Yeah. I well, did when I point. went, you know, when I went to Dr. Tim, he was great. He just casually said... Can I just check your prostate? And he he, he did an internal examination. Yeah. So just let me follow this through. And thank God he did. You know, um, oh. he's a great GP. But I've found over the last couple of years, I have a great relationship. I think that's the word that's important for men is to form that relationship with their GP and trust. Trust is very yeah, important. Okay. To and have with and, them, and, you and know?
1: I take your point, and it's a good time to make that for men to make that resolution. I will get the blood test I will ask the mm. next I will ask the doctor yeah, to do how is your uh, the, PSA yeah, and, yeah.
7: and all those things that and they Joe, look, the look
1: am I'm, I'm looking at the dates because you were on the gate, you've been on the gate for a long time but um, at Christmas and indeed into January um, and I, I heard the ad this morning I think you're on now till January 20th is that right you got your ads mm, we you are, are, your ads yeah, are very yeah, effective yeah. on radio um, but Joe um, were you performing while you were going through treatment
7: yeah I was I was um, So what happened with me was um, when I was diagnosed, I got the call about Aladdin. So I went in and I had a meeting with my um, production manager, Leo McKenna. And I said, look, I have an issue here and I need to talk to my producer, Caroline Downey. And so I talked to both of them and the, the only words out of their mouths were, what can we do for you? How are you? How can we help you? And there was no help or anything. I just got on with it. Now I did between some shows, go over to Vincent's and get my bloods done and get my regular checkups. Okay. Um, And went back to the theatre and had a rest and a bit of food. And went on stage and I did my show and with with the wonderful support of the cast and team. But it it shouldn't stop you. Um, moving on it's just part of that process and I I think um, that's that word that's bantered about a lot but I think it's terribly important that word positivity that air of positivity and and trusting in those interventions and those medical practitioners I remember a lovely lady in the daycare oncology award in St Vincent's wonderful people up there Anne-Marie was her name and she knew by me on my first day there going, are you okay? And I wasn't okay. Uh, I was very overwhelmed by what uh-huh. was going on around me. And then it became, um, it just became natural to me to go up every couple of days and get checked and And the wonderful people up there. And that's where, when I when I observed the amount of people there, the majority of them were women. The the highest percentage would have been women, very few men around. And I think this needs to be addressed publicly, big time, that men need to get that checked. Like, it didn't stop me from moving on in my life and getting on with my work and all that I do, and I'm very blessed to have it and, uh, and do it. But it didn't get in the way. And even doing that panto, Aladdin, two shows a day and all that, and, and they were very cognizant, um, the management and the gaity at the time, of my, keeping, keeping an eye on me, and particularly Leo McKenna checking in on me, and Pauline McCall, a wonderful uh, wardrobe mistress in there. Are you okay, did we get you. And anything? Joe, would around.
1: you would you have told your, your male friends outside? Yes, yeah. so I, yeah. I did. Okay. I, I tell you Great. what, I did, Great. Joe.
7: Oh, absolutely, I did, because I became an ambassador for the Irish Cancer Society, and I, I thought I kept it very quiet for quite a time so I could get used to dealing with this. This is part of my journey, Uh, there's no getting away, let's go go with it. So I I kept it very quiet until everything was at bay for the want of a better word. And then I announced it out there as an ambassador and then I shared it. And I did say it with a few friends and colleagues and and in fairness, some of them took it on board I've done that. I've gone and got checked. And that was great. Well done, well but done. But that, was, that okay. was a small percentage. I think we need to get a bigger
1: percentage of men doing it, Joe. Okay, well done, well done. Remember, this is no ordinary, Joe. It's uh, the gaiety no. panto, well, Joe. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Happy I wasn't on about that now. I know fairness. you weren't. I, I know, but really, right. I, I recognise I you now. Of course, I recognise your voice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, well done and continued success. And, and thank, thank you so for much, sharing Joe. that, Joe. And you thank too, many
0: more than please God.
7: bless. God bless.
0: Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. So placing of
1: that ad was entirely coincidental. And remember, I know the panto in the National Stadium with Alan and Carl was absolutely brilliant. The one in the Olympia got incredible reviews. Duffy Circus, their Christmas show, got fantastic response up in Talla, and remember a lot of uh, amateur groups around the country they put on the panto their panto after uh christmas and i think peter pan is still on in the gate that was their christmas offering so that's that did well too but remember all around the country you're a local panto now back to the issue that thankfully men are talking talking about mike quinlevin mike mike is in county clare mike good afternoon
11: afternoon joe your,
1: you your journey began what when you were 63
11: Four years ago I I cut my finger and it it wouldn't clear up so I phoned up my local GP looking for an antibiotic Mm -hmm. and uh, I thought I was fit and healthy otherwise and he insisted on doing a blood test and it showed up uh, no, I was feeling fine otherwise (laughs) and it showed up at PSA I'd never heard of what PSA was
3: at the
11: time and uh, he said we need to investigate this so it turned out Going, down, going on a couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. I was sitting in front of a consultant inside the Rapid Access Clinic in Limerick and kind of uh, all of a sudden your world gets blown out when you're told you've cancer. <laughs> it's...
1: Uh, well, what was every it? thought process okay.
11: goes out okay. the window. Yeah. Uh, so my wife was there with me and uh, we kind of like, whoops. Uh, and he could see that my... You know, this, this wasn't... Uh, I was fit and healthy and all the mm-hmm. rest, even still doing a little bit of uh, competitive stuff for the fun of it. Um, and uh, it was <laughs> a bit of a shock to the system, put it that way. Anyway, going on, I was mm-hmm. uh, proposed for um, surgery. Uh, the You've heard about it, the... Um, robotic surgery, and yeah. uh, but of course COVID happened in the meantime and that would paid to all the schedules and everything. Uh, so I eventually got it done on August weekend in the Goldberg Clinic. And but the... that was the end of the story for me at okay. least because my PSA had not gone to zero afterwards. So I was put on hormone therapy and after that, following that, I had a, a good few sessions of radiation therapy as well. And of course all the after and side effects of yeah. all of that and but yeah i'm uh i'm off medication at the moment i'm on some supplements because
3: mm-hmm.
11: uh especially the radiation does uh, well hormone does you've heard all about it, the sweats stuff
10: like that
1: i think are you gone there mike yeah because i wanted to go into that because it was raised earlier how how you deal with the sweats and the tired? we'll get mike back in a sec don't worry uh tony good afternoon
5: Hi, Joe.
1: Uh, You say I'm a a cancer survivor. When did your journey begin?
5: um, I was diagnosed in um, 2016. Okay. And.
1: um, Uh, Was that a routine uh, uh, routine visit to the GP or was there worries?
5: Well, well, first of all, I just wanted to give you a little background, which your research here seemed to be uh, something that was unusual in that there are four. Brothers in my family, yeah. and we 've all been diagnosed with prostate yeah. cancer yeah. and uh, my eldest brother had had was the first, uh, and then a brother younger than me was the second,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and then I was the third, and then more recently, my younger brother was diagnosed but um, I would have been very aware of of prostate cancer and the implications of it, so I think we would all have been Making sure that we had PSA tests done, um, you know, regularly, um, yeah, yeah, particularly great, when great. we reached, yeah. And uh, my older brother was actually in his, in his, it was his 60th year when he was diagnosed, as was the brother below me, but oh. I was uh, sixty, I was 67 before I was diagnosed. I'm 75 now. And the, t- uh, the treatment. And the treatment was. Uh, Radical prostatectomy, and uh, I had it in uh, with with Kieran O'Malley in the in the matter, and uh, it was uh, he was using the Da Vinci machine, which was which was incredibly effective. And as somebody has referred to earlier there the um, the 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 option of having nerve sparing, uh, yeah, in other yeah. words, the nerves that, uh, that that uh, affect erectile function. And uh, in my case, um, unilateral nerve sparing was was the option that I went for, because on the other side of the of the prostate, mm-hmm. it wasn't possible to do that. Um, but but I was lucky in that the uh, the cancer hadn't spread outside, as was described, the capsule. So there was no uh, tissue in the vicinity that was affected. Um, so as a result, it was it, it was. Presumed to be to be incredibly effective, and I've had absolutely no problems since. Joe, I mean, um, Brilliant. Brilliant. if you look at my abdomen; you would you wouldn't notice mm-hmm. that I've ever had a, a, an operation. Now, just to give you some details, following the procedure, um, it's it's kind of a, a little difficult to appreciate this because you think that everything is fine because you look at your abdomen and there's there's some holes where the instruments went through. But um, it, it, there is an incredible amount of uh, healing to go on inside, okay. so it takes some time. So I had a catheter in place uh, when I came home. Mm-hmm. It just just one other thing: I, I went in on a Wednesday, and I was I was back home having my dinner on f- following Friday.
3: Right.
5: Right. Uh, so it was there's, there's very little time in uh, in hospital.
1: So alarm bells as and as as we've and if you read it up it's, as you know, uh, f- p- uh, father or siblings, brothers, obviously. Um, yeah, are my father big, big alarm bells.
5: Absolutely, my father died with it. Oh uh, he it he, it didn't affect oh him, God. but he didn't die ah, of it. to, okay. to, to I totally effect, understand. Yeah.
1: yeah, totally do.
5: Yeah, but my uncle died uh, of it um, okay. uh, on, on my mother's side. So we had it from from both sides, and there is. It has been proven to be a genetic uh, link, okay. but it isn't as precise as, say, for for breast state cancer. Oh. Uh, sorry, uh, breast cancer. Okay. But um, just just again to just to mention that uh, following the procedure, then the incontinence is is a major problem. Okay. And uh, it usually it took me about six weeks to to get back to normal. Okay. But you
1: did uh, but, get back to normal. But,
5: Oh I got And, to and your message
1: that is uh, talk, look for alarm bells, Get do the regular tests and uh, men should talk about this more. Tony, thanks a million. Appreciate that. Stay, stay with us. Brendan Glynn, sorry for holding you, Brendan. Um, your, your story, please.
7: Yeah, I'm just
12: uh, ringing in to provide a bit more information on a particular kind of treatment that I don't think has been mentioned,
3: mm-hmm.
12: uh, but unfortunately is not available in Ireland. This is something that I had to go out of the country for, um, which is proton beam treatment, Mm -hmm. which is um, clinically recognized, but is in short supply anywhere in the world, because there's only a few of these machines available. Um, I did go through the rapid um, diagnosis process here very Mm -hmm. well. In Bowman,
3: everything was
12: in order. Uh, Extremely helpful staff at every turn, but this was during the pandemic and when I was going back and forth there for the the various consultations, I did a bit of research myself and I came across this business of proton beam treatment Mm -hmm. and explored it myself. Um with the assistance of the surgeon in Beaumont, I was referred from Beaumont
1: okay, to the
12: clinic in Prague, in Czech okay. Republic, obviously, and um, went through the process there. But having to arrange it myself, which was no problem, uh, but with all the backup material being sent on from here in Ireland, but no possibility of cover, unfortunately, okay. either on, on PHI, or through whatever HSC referral, wasn't possible.
1: (coughs) So the medics were totally cooperative in passing on all the information. Um, Yeah. And then how, do you mind me asking, was it expensive? I suspect it was.
12: It was expensive. And obviously it would be a bar to a lot of people. But there is a coincidence here, which of course is it's usually older men uh, that are discovering it mm-hmm. and therefore they're at a stage of their life where they would have some savings or lump mm-hmm. sums from mm-hmm. their retirement or whatever and of course it's up to them whether they would want to invest in the particular treatment um, it's just regrettable we don't have a machine yet here in Ireland mm-hmm. to do it um,
1: I was I explaining the, to the I see the machines have only arrived in the UK in the last four or five years exactly, as well. Yeah.
12: there's, there's I think two or three places in Britain yeah. uh, where it's available privately. There is one that has been bought by the NHS, but for obvious reasons, they're prioritizing child cancers because course, it's not yeah. just for prostate
1: cancer, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah.
12: It's, it's, for, it's for a selection of cancers, not all.
1: Of course, yeah.
12: But they're prioritizing child cancers for obvious reasons yeah. and hard to get to. Cancers like brain tumours and so forth, but only in a very selected circumstances because of restriction on on supply, obviously, in terms of the machinery available. Apparently, they have, they have
1: so, as far as I can see, the up to date is they've got they've only six of the machines in the UK. Uh, they've none here, so I presume, given that our own medics are totally aware of them, uh, as you uh, demonstrated, that there would be a. Uh, efforts to get those machines here because they I'm sure I'm sure it's on the of yeah, but you it's...
12: know it's a question of you know scale and, and what was um, the,
1: what was the treatment like Brandon was it was it uncomfortable was it
12: absolutely not oh, great great no, great it, great, it, it great. was five sessions over two weeks in Prague mm-hmm. um, the, the, the center is a private center but the staffing is done by Charles University staff, which is you know, okay. the second oldest university in Europe, and the scene of that very unfortunate incident the, yeah, other, the before other week. Christmas,
3: yeah.
12: yeah, but a very established university. That's where the, that's where the professionals okay. come in from to this okay. private center. So yeah. I went through five sessions mm-hmm. over two weeks, periodically over two weeks, um, no sensation whatsoever okay. you're just lying on a trolley and you know the machinery goes around you okay. and um you know the only th- you, any everything that they told me on departure has come to pass in terms of the lessening of the PSA and the stabilizing of the PSA and um you know no requirement for further treatment
1: right so it has it has worked and Brendan, is there I I I'm 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 conscious well that you were two weeks in Prague, maybe longer. Um is there a ballpark figure just in fairness to our listeners about what that would cost? Well yeah,
12: yeah, I could I could give you a figure, but you know, um I don't want the figure to be the focus yeah, well, of attention. Well obviously know, well obviously, said, well, well said, obviously yeah. people people's circumstances yeah, differ. Yeah,
3: yeah.
12: And it would only be available to people who um, decided that they could invest in it,
3: um,
12: but their circumstances might allow it or they might not. The the most important thing about the information Mm -hmm. is that it is a new treatment, relatively new treatment, that is becoming more available worldwide and is therefore offering hope to more people worldwide. Yeah, great particularly in the extreme circumstances of child cancers, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah I see that. Under and, this.
12: you know, That's obviously it. if HSE or Minister of Health is looking at the provision of the machinery here, it would be a long time before it became generally available. Okay. But I'm feeding in the information to allow people to know that with these advances in the technology, that, you know, there there is... More hope of improved um, treatments online, so to
1: speak. Okay, and I tell you, I, I fully take on board your health warning. Pardon upon about uh, getting bogged down in the cost. But I know our first call on Friday, uh, Brendan, um, he was he was trying to raise money, and he he was he thought he had to raise in between twenty and thirty thousand euro
12: for proton beam. was Yeah, it? for, yeah, for treatment yeah, I didn't yeah. know that the the proton beam thing had been mentioned on this program. No, it wasn't. No,
1: not, not anyway. that particular phrase. No, he
12: would be but, he would be about correct. Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay, Brandon. Well done, um, um, Sean. Uh, that's uh, Brandon Glynn. Sean. Good afternoon, Cooskeen County, Clare. But you had you had a procedure this morning.
13: I did, yeah. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Uh they a better than I thought. I'd be, to be honest with you, but anyway. Um,
1: well, what was the procedure?
13: And uh, what well, I had, Joe, um, I haven't been diagnosed with um, prostate cancer yet, but there was biopsy done. But I had a, a very large prostate, mm-hmm. so they did, and they did a prostate reduction. Ah. And so where I started noticing it was a couple of years ago, was uh, having trouble, you know, uh, with the stream going to the toilet and that. But yeah, yeah. As, as that as that progressed, it, for me, it was the lack of sleep, being you know, up two or three times a night. You know, it was starting to drive me mad. Yeah. So when I got mine checked, um, I had a slightly raised PSA, which is about five years ago. And the doctor and the professor have been monitoring that now for about five years, and eventually, it's like it's, it's got to a point where they said, right, okay. so you know, uh, you know, we we'll go for surgery. That's, that's the best option for you. And you know, what was the, what, what,
1: what was the procedure this morning in, in terms of? So
13: it's it's it's, it's called TURP. It's transurethral trans resection of the prostate. So they basically go in and just make your prostate smaller. Okay. Um, but in my situation, say the prostate was large enough, it's pushing on your urethra.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
13: And it make, makes you want to pee all the time, or even yeah. interrupts the flow of it because it's putting too so much pressure on it. You know, well, um, the reason I texted you text into basically was to tell anyone else that might be suffering quietly out there, like, you know, go and get it sorted out. You know, um, go to your doctor, get a PSA mm. done. You know, I've met nothing but lovely people, you know, from the professor to everybody, the office staff, like, they're all professional, they're all very courteous, they're all knowledgeable, you know. So there's nothing to be kind of embarrassed about or worried about. Okay. You know, that was, was, I just wanted to let people know that they could, you know.
1: And did you have to prepare last night? By the way, did you you sleep last night?
13: Um, Not particularly well, no. Okay. Oh, no, no, we should that would be the same as most nights later anyway. Okay. You know, and I get a good night's sleep tonight out of it.
1: And I presume it was just a was a it local it's obviously you're talking to me. It's a local anesthetic, I presume.
13: Uh no, they they knock you out for oh, about an hour or two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good so man. It's just fucking as as I came around um I love listening to radio, so I put on the radio you know, just as your show was started <laughs> and you were talking about prostate and I said I said, You know what? No, I said that there's a reason they
1: woke up. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant, uh, brilliant, uh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's done, and the the, the hope is, obviously yeah, yeah, that it won't, a whole, but the hope that the okay. results will be...
13: Well, hopefully the biopsy is clear, which he didn't, he didn't yeah. think there was anything, anything untoward in it anyway. You know, but just to give me back quality of life, you know, going, going to a match on a Sunday and having two or three pints, you know, i have to nearly run home like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so hopefully give you give you back a bit of, better quality of life like so. I mean, there is plenty of treatments out there. and Medication works as well for quite a while. So,
1: okay, well onwards you know. and and uh, hopefully that that journey, uh, the stage you've gone through uh, this morning and you're through. Uh, hopefully that will be a clear road ahead. Uh, yeah, a clear road it's only mild,
13: mild discomfort afterwards, yeah. you know, That That's all there is, you know. There's okay. no, There's nothing, you know.
1: And can you? you have I presume to... you have to lie down for the next few hours, have you?
13: I'll be in the bed for the day,
1: Okay.
13: and I'll, I'll be here till till Thursday, I think.
1: Okay, okay.
13: You know, and then you and you can't anything for a few weeks afterwards. Yeah. Okay, but, you okay. Know, that's that's a small price
1: to pay. But you sound you sound good. You sound good. You sound good. I just wonder what it'd be like waking up from the general anaesthetic to hear Lloyd in your ear talking about the uh, the issue that you <laughs> <laughs> had. Yeah,
13: I know. Yeah. it's a bit, <laughs> bit surreal, right? A bit surreal. It's about? surreal.
1: OK, well well said. And, and continued best wishes, Sean, to you and your family and the medics
0: involved. Uh, Joe at rt.ie 51551. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Humphrey
1: Deegan. Humphrey, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, Joe. And
1: your journey, please. What age were you when it began, your journey with prostate cancer?
8: 60. Okay. So, um, two years into the journey and uh, look, mine was slightly uh,
3: mm-hmm.
8: on the edge of the problem. Like mine, mine was colorectal cancer, I suppose, was, the, was what they finished up calling it. But, uh, it was, I suppose, all to do with the waterworks and everything else. Yeah, but yeah. why I was ringing was that any chance I get, I just tell everybody to go and get checked. Don't yeah. look no matter what it is, and the majority of people will be told, Look, everything is fine.
1: Yeah, of course, absolutely. But
8: yeah. an early diagnosis and if I didn't have an early diagnosis, it would have been a different different outcome.
1: So how did and, you how did you manage to get the early diagnosis?
8: Well, um my work colleague Kevin, he has uh, he had a, um, a a pile and he's looked comfy more than likely so to that go and get it checked and
3: mm-hmm.
8: and then they gave me creams and stuff and then it, was persisting and I went back into um, our local GP Ivan said look we'll have a, a colonoscopy done and so they saw the cancer then straight away right. and I was sent for a CAT scan when I heard them ordering the CAT scan I said there's nothing good here look my mother had cancer for 40 years but during this journey then I, I rang my cousins in the States and their mother had died very young and they only discovered in the last couple of years it was colorectal cancer killed her so it's actually in us in our system so yeah. But the early diagnosis and the team of people in COH and Cork are just extraordinary. And from the surgeons to the tea ladies right through, like, they're just brilliant people. And if I started naming names, there'd be somebody left out so I wouldn't want to leave anybody out. But they're just... And, like, in the... where they do the radio treatment in the Tlandor suite, they call it, because mostly women there that do it. Mm -hmm. And they are so gentle. like, Like, I was a big old lump of the lab so he was coming and going and there was no bother with me but there was some of those people who were so sick and so yeah. sensitive and so they handled them with kid gloves they were just yeah. extraordinary yeah. people Brilliant. and on a lighter note with them you know we all leave them little presents whatever so
3: mm-hmm.
8: I brought up two boxes of black pudding to them well they laughed at me Joe they just laughed so hard <laughs> at me and they were, they were they were just they were just beautiful people and I I, I, I just met great people and I was so lucky and Look, I went through all of this with my mother, so I suppose I had a little bit more insight into it. And um, yep, I have young kids, so look, I had no other choice, but to be better. And my wife told me if I wasn't going to get better, she was going to
1: kill me. So I had to get better. <laughs> okay, I take, and, I take uh, her sense of humour. Would yeah. you say cancer? Jump. Can you say one phrase that's jumping down. at me in your call, Humphrey? The The cancer is a terrible spectator sport your wife oh, well, and your family are looking on.
8: Well, I, I, if I ever do get around to writing the book, that's what I'm going to call it: cancer, the worst spectator sport in the world. Yeah. And look, yeah. when when you're in the whole thing, you're busy and you're you're tired. And you're look, you're just trying not to think about it too much, and you're 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 in the process. But everybody else looking on, they're only trying to help you. And there's days that you just want to be left alone. Yeah, <laughs> so, of course, of course. and look, like, it, it's it's a terrible thing because they're. They're worrying and they can't do anything because yeah. it's, it's out of your hands and it's a terrible worry for everybody. And Clannacilty is a very positive place and people would always be inquiring. They wouldn't want to be inquisitive, but you know, you get a nod in the street. How are you getting on? Fine, great, that's great. Look, we'll say a prayer for you. And as my friend would say, the prayers of a sinner are always answered, so we got on fine. And look, it's it's wonderful. But. And on a lighter note, like I, Joe, I, I have a, I have a bag. Look, I have a bag permanently, okay. and I, and look, I was told, look, I'd have that, and I said to our consultant, Mark in court, I said, look, I have a choice here, I have a bag or a box. I think i will have the bag, no problem. Mm-hmm. Get on with it, just. And I was in the pool there one day, and in the change room, this young girl about four came up to me, she was looking at the bag, and she said, "Hey, Mister Wester. and I, I think there was five or six older left standing around. I said, "What am I going to say to her?" I said, "Look." It's for catching farts. And she looked at me, she, catching farts. And I could see mm. her thinking. I said, Yeah, it catches farts in my belly. And she turned around to her father, Dad, you could do it one of them. Okay, okay. okay. So, but so, like, I just <laughs> tried to accent. normalize it. Yeah. And it, it's the only thing I'd ask anybody to, and like one of your mm. callers was saying that wives, girlfriends, whatever, beat your husband, beat your boyfriends out the door to get a test. And look, if you have cancer, the, the outcomes are incredible now. And just here, don't here. suffer yeah. in silence. Yeah. Just, yeah. just get it done. Do it bang. There,
3: yeah. here, here. And just well, get said. on with it, and well, it's said. it's
8: incredible. And uh, it, look, it's it, we're terrible as men. We're terrible to to deal with our own problems, and it's we just have to be better about it. And women are better about talking about these things, and we just have to just get on with it. Okay. And thank you
1: very much, Joe. For listening well, thank to you. Us thank you to all our all our callers, all the men. Humphrey Deacon, good to meet them. Tom McMahon is in Uruguay. Um. Oh, thank God we've listeners in Uruguay. Tom. Good afternoon.
14: Hi, you, Joe. Good morning
1: good from mor- here. Go- good morning.
14: Still yeah.
1: have seven minutes left of Yeah, well, my my. my would you believe it? My young fellow just landed in Uruguay this morning. And uh, was his, with his partner on his round the world trip. Um, so, Weather's uh, nice. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> now, Tom, uh, your your story, please.
14: Yeah, um, I moved from Buenos Aires in Argentina to Punta del Este in Uruguay in October twenty. So, um, okay. in the middle of the pandemic, and um, about six weeks later, I was trying to join, like the equivalent of the VHI. Mm-hmm. and they said because I was 50 um, I'd, uh, I'd just got turned 50 during the pandemic uh, that I had to do a battery, of tests. Okay. So one of them was a PSA test and I got a phone call uh, 48 hours later and I knew that wasn't good and they said to me, there's a problem with your test, can you come in and speak to us? So they said, look, your PSA is very high, we can't insure you, but you need to speak to
3: okay. um,
14: your oncologist immediately. So uh, this was very awkward because my medical insurance was in Argentina, but anyway, um, my oncologist in Argentina was monitoring me. And finally in July, it kept rising. He wanted to see what it stayed stable um, before doing a, a biopsy and it mm-hmm. didn't, it kept rising. So in July 21, they did the biopsy in Buenos Aires. And uh, it I had two significant uh, formations of cancer in the prostate. Um, they gave me at least in score seven in terms of okay. the aggress the aggressi- uh, aggressiveness of this cancer, and they said that it was quite close to some. You now, look, I'm, I'm the worst at biology, but to some uh, nerves, I think yeah, that yeah, are yeah, to do yeah. with the the lymph nodes, I think, mm-hmm. running through there, and that it was going to require um, uh, removal. So it was radical, uh, the the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a life assurance policy that had a serious illness payout on it. So ah. I got operated on in uh, October 21 in Orlando um, in Advent Clinic there. And, uh, yeah, I came back and it, it was fine. I was recovering pretty well. I got married in, in Buenos Aires a month later to, to, to my long-term wife, who she was my wife mm-hmm. long before that anyway. But... Um, in february 22 so that'd be uh six months after the the prostate my psa started to rise again so i did radiotherapy i did 39 sessions in buenos aires um on my own during the pandemic which wasn't great and uh but i I did it uh, a lot quite a lot of side effects from that um I, i found that really hard and then uh in february of 23 Uh, My PSA started rising again. And uh, we monitored this because uh, I did a lot of CT scans in in South America. Um, I didn't want to start hormone therapy because I I just felt that by the time I'm 53 now, by the time I developed resistance to the Mm -hmm. hormones, I'd be planning my check out in my early 60s. And I just felt that that wasn't my life story. And having done some research on it, I wanted to do chemo, um, So, but I needed to find the cancer to do chemo. So um, I have a sister who lives in San Francisco, and she used her network to get me in touch with a patient advocate organization there in the States. They got me in touch with the Mayo Clinic and the doctor Kwan in, in the Mayo Clinic. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they said that they'd, they'd look at me. So I went up there for the scans and they're using some interesting new tracers. Uh, they found two tumours on my lower spine and my lymph system is quite infected uh, with prostate cancer. So I'm currently halfway through um, a a series of nine sessions of chemo. And uh, yeah, it's the chemo's going fine actually. Brilliant,
1: brilliant, brilliant.
14: It's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me by any manner of means. The really interesting things about my prostate cancer experience has, has started since then. First of all, in in Uruguay here, because it's a really small country, it's 3 million people. Mm -hmm. um, Everybody sort of knows everybody through a connection. Uh, It's like what Ireland was like 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I got in touch with these ladies who do, um, they're like an NGO, and they give you frozen hats for your chemo sessions, all free. And that's been really good. Now, the pain of that is crazy when you put them on, but I haven't lost any hair. So I have, like, my facial hair is is nowhere what it was, but my uh, my hair is great. And then I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said to me, you should be talking to the guys that do the medicinal cannabis. And he put me in contact with a friend of his, and I spoke to him. And there because cannabis is legal in Uruguay, you can
3: have okay.
1: six
14: plants in your house as long as you're not going for commercial
1: purposes. Okay, so that's
14: um, so this is like an underground NGO. Okay, so that that that's, gives, so that
1: um, I'm just a bit over oh yeah, t- I'm just a bit stressed tea. stressed for time here, Tom. Um, oh sorry, Julie. No no yeah, not yeah, at all. I things think. things are, are are looking good. I know it's a challenge. Yeah, well, I'm I'm positive by nature anyway, Joe. So, like,
14: you know what I mean? The things, I I feel great, which is the main thing. And, uh, you know, to hear some of your previous callers talking about taking antidepressants, it's like, I've spoken to really top-level medical professionals about this, and they're saying that the the medicinal cannabis that I'm taking, what it does is it gives you appetite, it suppresses nausea, it helps you sleep, and it stops you worrying. and there are four things that all cancer patients in my opinion should have access to a drug to do that and it's not four drugs it's one
1: okay and it's all more information thanks indeed Tom and kind regards
0: as Tom McMahon in Uruguay Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 Joe! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Thanks
1: again to all our contributors and, of course, everyone, I think everyone without exception, went through a medical professional, so well done. Back tomorrow, 1.45. Shana Gorman produced. Ray Darcy
0: is next. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.